And I had a cu- customer walk into the store one day and they said, if you don't stop showing up in my Facebook feed, we're going to have a problem. Every time I turn around, I see your store popping up. So I was like, I guess it works. And, you know, they they weren't like super mad. They were just like, what are you doing? And I was just like, uh, bring us your laundry. You'll stop seeing us. Welcome to the Planet Laundry podcast brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. This edition of the Planet Laundry podcast has been made possible by sponsorship from Speed Queen, the proven performer in laundry. Laundromat owners, are your days filled with repairs, rising utility costs, and dissatisfied customers? Well, Speed Queen can help change your routine. Here are three reasons to update your equipment. Grow customer loyalty, simplify your life with technology, and say goodbye to high utility costs. Take a step forward to your new routine. Visit Speed Queen at go.speedqueencommercial.com forward slash routine. This is the Planet Laundry Podcast. I'm your host and the editor of Planet Laundry Magazine, Bob Neiman. And today I'm with Waleed Cope, owner and operator of The Soapbox, which is a laundry, dry cleaning, and sneaker cleaning enterprise based in Brooklyn, New York. In addition to his work with The Soapbox, Waleed and his wife, Jessica, also manage their family's security agency, where they provide services to global corporations. Hey, Waleed, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Bob, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me and uh, considering me to be on a podcast. Great honor. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, listen, I know a little bit about your background. I knew you kind of grew up in the in the laundromat business, but but can you please share a little of your professional background prior to starting the soapbox? Oh, sure, be happy to. So, it's been an eclectic road for me, but <laughs> I kind of was in and out the laundry business as a kid because it's a family business, so we're second generation. But being in and out of it, and anybody who's worked in the family business before understands uh, family dynamics. So there were times when I was like, "Hey, I need to take a break." So when I wasn't fully engaged in the laundry business. I was an elementary school teacher in a public school system here in New York City. Did that for about eight years. While I was a school teacher, I got into real estate somewhat. And the goal for real estate was I needed funding to buy supplies and computers for the class because anybody that knows the education system, there can be a challenge when it comes to additional funding. So I got into real estate, did that for a while. Uh, Then started working with Jessica, my wife, who's also my business partner at our third generation where, yeah, we're in our third generation now, wow, of family-owned security business. And then from there, I transitioned right back into laundry full-time. Perfect. perfect. What's your favorite aspect of the laundromat business? Because again, you said you've been in and out of it. It keeps drawing you back in. What's your favorite part of it? It you know, It's twofold now because our business is a little unique now. So we started originally with a self-service laundromat traditional and doing wash and fold drop off in the store. Then we transitioned into a large service based in the business, which we created the Soapbox, which was a separate brand from our self-service. So it's I have two favorite parts now. So with the self-service component, I love the interaction and the social component of the clients when they come in to do laundry. And they're there for a couple of hours and you get to really engage with them. They bring their family sometime. It's just, it's just a great pleasure to be there and interact with them, listen to their stories and just have great community building conversations. Mm-hmm. Then on the service side, it's less interaction, which I don't like. 
Uh, I really miss that client interaction from the sales service side. But the plus right. is it forces me to think different, innovate more to figure out how can we give better experiences to our clients in a different way. So like when in store, I can easily just say, you know, it's a hot day, give everybody free water from, you know, the vending machine or, you know, we have food delivered to the store or pizza, whatever it might be. But when it's more right. of a service-based pickup and delivery, you know, we it forces me to think of these different ways. So I would say those are the two things I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, I've seen places on social media where you refer to yourself as a laundry pirate. <laughs> where, where does that come from? And can you, can you explain it? Because I think it's cool, but I just want to hear where that came from. So thank you so much, Bob. Yeah, I got that question from somebody um, on LinkedIn like a couple months ago. And, you know, it, it boils down to three things that I can pinpoint it to. One is one of my colleagues, Christopher Lockhead. He's a, he's, he was a CMO at a large firm and he writes about marketing and being different and how you set your brand apart and, and build these different categories for your brand. So that, that was one. The second was I visited the American Museum of Re Revolution and didn't realize the role that private piracy as well as pirates played during the role they played during the revolution. So they were privateers who were like ship captains who were commissioned by the government to go out there and, and fight on their behalf. And then there were like, you know, the kind of unlawful pirates who do their thing. And I didn't realize the role that it played during slavery and it played to the, the freedom part of a lot of the slaves. And the third part was Steve Jobs said it best. Why join a Navy when you can be a pirate? And when I, <laughs> when I look at that, right? And listen, a lot of respect to all, all of our, our servicemen and those in the Navy. Right. It has nothing to Absolutely. do with that. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're different. And as a pirate, you get to be more agile. You can be fast. We can take bigger risks. We're not bound to the same rules. And, you know, it kind of fit into the way we operate. Like if we look at the soapbox, we started doing things that were totally different than what traditional laundromat was doing at the time. And it was a way to, to, to look at a, how we innovate, how we do things different. Like we were one of the early adopters to use DoorDash to do pickup and delivery here in the States. We do a lot of little different things with our clients as far as wowing them and using technology a lot. So the pirate thing just kind of stuck when we looked at all three of those aspects. Right. It, it certainly speaks to the uh, the entrepreneurship of, uh, of a lot of laundry owners and uh, laundromat operators that way. So I know I think that's very, very neat. And I love that. And it certainly caught my eye. Thank you. You just talked about, uh, you know, one of your favorite aspects is, is the customer interaction and, uh, you know, being in the store and, uh, you know, being part of the community. You're a huge proponent of customer service, customer support. Can you share maybe some simple, effective ways to really wow your customers? I think one of the simplest things that I think it's totally underrated is answering the phone. Mm. You'll be I like, I'm so surprised when people call our store and they get one of our team members or even myself, because we use um, a voice over IP for our phone system. So we can route our calls anywhere we want, thanks to the internet. And I'm just always blown away when people are like, wow, you guys answer the phone. And I'm like, why wouldn't we? And they're like, well, we call other places and like either no one answers or they get a, they get voicemail and no one ever calls them back. That's one. And, you know, the, the second thing I would probably say, 
to any operator, whether you know it's laundry or any other business, is we do this thing is we thank every client for their order. And people are like, well, yeah, you know, I'll put a note in a bag or they can send them an email or a text message after the order. Like, right. We take it a step further and we actually have a team member call every client who had an order the previous week to say, thank you for your order. And then we take the time to ask them, like, how was it? Did it meet your satisfaction, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when we first started doing it. Most of the clients in the beginning would answer the phone and be like, so what do you want? We we're like, no, we're just calling to say thank you. And they were like, you're not trying to sell me anything? I was like, right. no. Everybody's just... leery. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then after a while, they got used to it. And they were just like, yeah, hey, thanks for calling. Everything is great. And sometimes we don't get them. We still leave a voicemail. Um, and I think it's just something small to let them know, like, we appreciate them. Like, they can go down the street to the next place. Or in this day and age, as you know, they can just click on download another app or go to another website and use somebody else. So right. it's just something right. small, I think is makes a big impact. It's, it is the little things. Absolutely. It's the little touches reaching out to customers that way. That's, that's, that's great stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure like plenty of stores have attendants that have some downtime and they're just like, they clean the stores neat. Like, and then they're just like, what else do I do? I'm like, pick up the phone and just call some people and say, thanks. Right. Right. Hey, kind of along the same lines, I recently read an article that you wrote on texting to help build business. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's helped your business and maybe how other operators can maybe take advantage of uh, SMS marketing in that way? Yeah, so we, we use it quite a bit, and I'm always looking at different ways we can engage. So we use it for internal data one. So all of our existing clients, when they come into our system, we'll text them messages sometimes or we'll text them promotions. And I find it to be really great. Uh, sometimes I think we sent a text out in the article you were, one of the articles you were referring to, I sent a text out about, I think we were doing a promotion. I can't remember what it was. And it went to about, right. we segmented the list. I think it was about 6,000, 6,500 clients we sent it to. And we had 600 people roughly click on the link to in, engage with that promotion. And it was amazing because one, we got a ton of orders that come in like the next day and the following day because we put a time limit on it. So that's one way we use it internally to market and promotion to clients. Two, we use it to get data from our internal clients. So a lot of times we don't have a lot of information on them, depending how they make it, especially if they walk into the store. You might have their name and phone number. That's it because they're right. a walk-in customer. So we use it if they fill out the form when we text them. We also use it to get surveys. So when they fill out that information, their address and additional information like their date of birth, so we can send them happy birthday texts, we'll give them a, something in return to say, you know, thanks for spending a minute filling out this form. Here's like a 10% coupon you can use the next time you come. And then we use that data. That data becomes a goldmine for us. The birthdays, we have the address. We'll mail stuff to their house, like a card or something to say thank right. you or happy birthday. We also use it for to acquire new clients. So we'll link the SMS to QR codes and we'll put them in flyers or we'll, we used to have a big banner in the front of our store. I think it was probably like, I don't know, a couple feet wide and a couple feet tall. And it was like, scan this QR code. It was really big and you'll get 10% off for using us the first time. We actually have it pop up on our website also. And they go, they fill out the form. We capture that information. Then we text them a coupon. What I really find good with it is when we finish our order, we'll put a little thank you card in the order with the QR code on it. 
and they'll scan that QR code and it opens up their text message and app on their phone. It puts in the keyword automatically and they just hit send. And then it will text them like three or four questions about their order so we can get that feedback from them. And then we also linked in this option called text to win. So when they finish the survey, it'll automatically enter them in a contest if they click the link. Mm-hmm. And every week we choose a winner from anyone that filled out a survey and they get a gift oh. card of their choice uh, that we mail out to them. I think it's like 25, I think it's about 25 bucks. I think I'm gonna raise it though in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. I mean, it's so simple. Uh, something is uh, as obvious as texting, but really there's so many ways that, that you can use it to, uh, to help build a business. So that, that's fascinating. I think a lot of people aren't, aren't uh, taking advantage of that or thinking of that. So that's, uh, I thought that's brilliant. And it's super easy. Like people think texting, yeah. they typically think cell phone, mm-hmm. like I got to sit there and manually do it. No, we do this all from a computer. Right. It's 99% automated. So once we set up all the workflows in it and the triggers, the system does this thing in the background and then it sends us a message later on and say, here's the winner. And then mm-hmm. we just send them a message to say, what's your address? Uh, well, what gift card do you want? And right. matter of fact, we even have the system ask them what gift card they want. So we just text them back when they win to say, what address you want us to mail it to? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's, and it's not expensive either. Like depending how many texts you send out a month, it could be anywhere from like 50 bucks a month to like mm-hmm. 300 bucks a month. Right. It, Perfect. It's been worth it for us. Yeah. Yeah. What other ways have you found that work best for promoting your business? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, when we first started the soapbox, so to to take a trip back a little bit, mm-hmm. we were traditionally self-service 2015, took over the business from my dad full time. And we realized we were serving two different clientels, two different personas. Person who drops it off, it's all about time, convenience, and all those other things for them versus the person who does it themselves in the store. So we opened up the Soapbox, which is a separate brand, separate location. And once we did it, all right, so everybody left the store who was dropping off and started going to the Soapbox. And then I said, well, we have a whole new expense line coming in now because we decided to make this new brand. We leased a new space. I was like, I think we need more people coming in so we can carry this (laughs) debt and make a profit. Right. Absolutely. we We went to social media. Um, and at that time, it was Facebook and Instagram, which was is a lot different than it is now. Um, I think there's still opportunity there, but you have to just look at it different. So we built a soapbox on Instagram. Like we posted, I had no idea what to do, Bob. I was just like, take pictures of clothes, take pictures of washing machines, took pictures right. of ourselves folding. I had no clue. <laughs> Before I looked up, I was like, oh, we got like 3,000 followers. Like, I guess it's kind of working. Yeah, right. And, but I, I think so. Yeah, but I was like, where's the orders? <laughs> I was like, 3,000 people with no orders means absolutely right. nothing. Right. Uh, so we kept playing. We kept experimenting with it. And then somebody sent a DM to me at about, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night. And they were like, can you come pick up my clothes right now? And I was like, hmm, there's something to this. So we kept playing with it. And then we started running Facebook and Instagram ads. And I had a cl- customer walk into the store one day and they said, if you don't stop showing up in my Facebook feed, we're going to have a problem. Every time I turn around, <laughs> I see your store popping up. So I was like, I guess it works. And, you know, they they weren't like super mad. They were just like, what are you doing? And I was just like, uh, bring us your laundry. You'll stop seeing us. So <laughs> that was one. You know, I think Facebook and Instagram, how you use it is still viable today. Two, Google. Now, Google is like two sides of it. 
the way we look at it. There's the paid side, Google ads, which I think is great because it, it's, it's intent. Someone is searching because they want something. They're, they're not just searching for the fun of it. Like on social media, they're just scrolling, consuming content. Somebody's on Google. It's intent based. They're looking for something to take action. Right. The thing is, from what I see in our market, I can't speak to others. The prices have really gotten expensive for buying the ads on Google. The other part of Google we look at and I find really interesting is Google My Business. And I think a lot of businesses aren't really capitalizing on it. So, and when I say capitalizing on it, they're, they're filling out the information for their listing. They optimize it and that's great. But I think it's a step beyond that. And I can't prove this, Bob. I have no data to support it. Like Google's probably not going to let me look under the hood and tell me anything. But I looked at what's happened with us and I look at the surveys and we ask customers when they come in the store. When we post on Google My Business, I see a big difference in our stats on Google My Business, like the number of phone calls that come in through Google My Business, the number of views. You can go look at the stats on Google My Business and it shows you they always spike when we start posting. And on Google My Business, you can post events. So you can post text, you can post images, and you can post video. I think that's huge. What laundromat should and dry cleaner should post, that's up to each individual to find out because of their market. But I think if you start doing something, it's better than doing nothing. It, it's had an impact on our business. So I, I mm-hmm. believe those are great. The other one is obviously word of mouth, mm-hmm. how to get your clients to talk about your business more. And that goes back to some of the things you mentioned earlier, like the customer service, customer support. Even when things go wrong, doing these little things here or these big things to help them out, it -hmm. gives them the option to go back and tell their community, be like, yeah, you know, they shrunk my pants, but I couldn't believe, like, they called me right away. They were Mm -hmm. very attentive. You know, they they sent a driver over to pick up the item that got damaged, and they said they would do this, and they tried to fix it, but they couldn't. And guess what? They brought me another pair of pants, or, you know, they reimbursed me what the, the actual, whatever the current cost is, minus depreciation or whatever the case might be. That word of mouth is great. Or you just do a great job. And mm-hmm. the other one that I think is really important too, and I'll probably say Google My Business and this one are like neck and neck for us, is UGC, user generated content. And I don't think in our industry we're capitalizing that on enough. And I saw two instances where it was, it really hit home for me. One time was we started wrapping our socks, like which was some crazy idea I came up with many, many years ago. Because I was like, how do we make this experience better? It's, it's closed. What else can we do to wow them? Mm-hmm. And a client took a vid, made a video. It still blows my mind to this day, Bob. She made a video of her socks when she opened her laundry bag and she posted it all over her Instagram and was like, and she's holding them or she's like moving the camera. She's like, look at my socks from the soapbox. They match them and they wrap them. And I was like, really? I was like, you can't, hmm. and then, I just, you can't I, buy that kind of promotion, right? No, yeah. right. And, and then like I look down below and like I see her, her community commenting on it or liking it. And I'm like, it sucks. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like I think there's something here. So we yeah. like would take take that, those videos and we would repost them on our social, tag the client, thank them to really kind of keep the momentum going. The other right. time I saw it was this was recent, not too long ago, because we we doing sneaker cleaning also. So that's the other pirate part of us. We're doing things that you typically don't see. Like so, we do laundry, we do dry cleaning, and we do. Sneaker clean. Those are three 
revenue lines at our store, nothing else. We had a client bring in a pair of sneakers, fairly expensive, you know, more than $500 sneakers. And, you know, I put on the gloves like they do in a museum and handle those with care because I don't want anything to happen to those sneakers. No, you don't, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to buy those. So they, she had, and I didn't know this until she tagged us on Instagram after she picked up her sneakers. So she had made a video prior to her bringing us her sneakers of how dirty her sneakers were. And she was like, I'm going to have to throw these away. They're no good. And she brought them to us. We did our thing on them, sent them back to her. And then I get a notification on Instagram and I look and she took her original video where her sneakers were really dirty and then merged it with a new video she made of the finished product after we cleaned them. And the first things that come out of her mouth is, Look at what the soapbox did. It's the best $65 I've ever spent. And then, Bob, she has 22,000 people in her community on Instagram. Wow. And I scroll, her comments are on fire. People are like, where'd you take them? Wow, they looked really bad in the beginning. They did a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So user-generated content, I I think, is phenomenal, too. Right. So, so that's how the sneaker cleaning segment of your business started with just this one woman bringing you her shoes or, or was this something, an idea that you had, had come up with? And this was one of your first clients in the sneaker cleaning business. How, how did that start? Yeah, that so is I, take, I take zero credit for it. So the, the story goes, we've been doing sneakers about, let's say a year and a half, give or take. Okay. And it started with one of our clients who would bring us dry cleaning. And one day she just comes up to me and was like, I want to start my own business. What do I need to do? Great. You do this, you do this, you do this. And people ask for advice all the time in business. And I always try to be positive and give them the best. And in my mind, I'm like, how many people actually follow through on it? So I was like, what? I'm going to give her everything she needs. What she does with it's on her. I did my part. I can sleep at night. And I don't know, three, four months go by, Bob. And she shows up in the store. She's like, okay, I did everything you said. Here's the paperwork. Here's the proof. What do I do next? So I'm like, okay, well now <laughs> go get a bank account. Go do this. Go do that. Go do that. Right. She disappears for like another couple months. And then she shows back up. She was like, I did it all. And I'm in business and I'm cleaning sneakers. And I was like, awesome. Like, that's great. So, and I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but you know, we were just talking and I think she asked me like, how does she get more clients? Like, how should she build the business up? And I just looked at her and I don't know, Bob, something just clicked. And I was like, are you really serious about this thing? She was like, yeah, like I love sneakers. I'm really passionate about them. I was like, okay, how about this? We do laundry, we do dry cleaning. I'm always looking to figure out how do we get more penetration into people's closets? Like I want to own people's closets, service our clients better from head to toe. And I was like, we were always missing the toe part. We had the, the clothes, that's your upper right. and your lower part of your body, but we didn't have right. anything with feet. Right. I was like, okay, let's do a partnership. We'll advertise it. I'll market it. Our drivers will pick them up. People can bring them to our store and you clean them and we'll, we'll figure out some kind of deal on that. Right. She was like, great. We started out, you know, kind of slow in the beginning. We marketed, people started coming. Then it got a little busy and she would pick up sneakers, take them to her location, clean them and bring them back. Then it got to the point she was like, you know, well, you know, I have to take quite a few sneakers out of here and like moving them back and forwards. Like, uh, like, I don't know. We need to figure something else out. I'm just not a little too comfortable doing that. It's so many of them. 
And I was like, you know what? Why don't you just work out the store? So we set up a space in the store. We did that. And we did that for about, I'd say, a little over a year. And then mm-hmm. the business grew to a certain extent. We had a mutual discussion. And she was like, I really want to grow my brand and go to the next level. It's like, we support you 100%. So then she ventured off. And we still do the sneaker cleaning. We do it all in-house. But that that was the start of it. It was just a client who came in, had a dream to start their business. We partnered for a little while. It right. grew. And now we're we're both still in the game doing sneakers mm-hmm. and um and and growing and serving the industry together. What are some challenges with cleaning sneakers? Because I would imagine you would get into that and you you have no idea how to how to go about that, or I, I'm not sure how that how that works and how that plays in. And what are some challenges with with getting those clean? Because like you said, you don't want to ruin a pair of shoes. Yeah, Bob, it's super easy. You just get a toothbrush, you get some dishwashing liquid and some laundry turn okay. and you scrub it. Just like we okay. did when we were kids. No, I'm just kidding. Like, right. don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do that. It worked when we were kids, but this day and age, the fabrics and the materials and the dyes that they use, it's just so different than when we were growing up. Like when we were growing up, sneakers were like leather and canvas. You could just do whatever. Now it's suede and new buck and all uh, synthetics and natural materials and all these blends. So we did a lot of experimentation. We would test different products. So we use a a variety of products. We don't use just one brand. We found the best item in each brand line. So the best cleaner, the best brushes, you know, the best sponges, the best paint, all those different, we tested them over time, like the best conditioners, the best oils. It's not really hard. But it, it, there is some science and there's a, a system to it. And once you build out your system and you follow mm-hmm. that routine, mm-hmm. you, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier and it makes it a, a lot simpler. And one thing we did is we went to like thrift stores and we would buy old sneakers there and then we would practice cleaning on those. So if we mess right. those up, uh, no right. problem, because right. we don't want to mess a client's sneakers up at all. No. Right. right. Yeah. What segment of your, of your laundry business is performing best right now? It's, you know, we're, we're fortunate. I know it's a you know, big talk of the, the recession and how the economy's doing and all the layoffs you hear in tech now. Right. And th- there's a thing that, you know, you hear in all the, the, the YouTube videos now, and it's the big talk, like everybody should get in the laundry. It's a recession proof business. And I wouldn't say it's recession proof. I believe we're insulated more than other businesses due to one, where we were deemed essential and during COVID, it, it really showed the tenacity of laundromats, of laundry owners, of the team members at the laundromats. Let's be absolutely clear because my team kept our store open during COVID, not me. Like I was there, but they were doing the work. And we voted when, when COVID really got crazy and they were shutting businesses down and we got deemed essential. And, you know, thanks to the great efforts of, you know, team members at CLA and other organizations. We had a meeting and I said, guys, it's totally, and girls, it's totally up to you. We'll, we'll sit here and figure this out, but we're going to stay open if you're comfortable working during COVID. And they all voted and they said, yes. And I was like, okay, here's masks, here's sanitizer, whatever we need, we're in the game. And right. when that happened, we kind of started preparing ourselves. And I think it happened unconsciously. I don't want to say it was some master plan we had. Because I would challenge anybody to show me a business plan or a growth plan that had COVID in it, and they were going to build their business a certain way. But I think that and being in a recession before when I was younger in my parents' business, when we had the laundromat and just experiencing that, 
we just right. did things, I think, sub subconsciously that prepared us for where we are now. So we added other revenue streams. You know, we built these relationships with our clients. We started going after commercial business, which is right. it's I the CLA survey, some uh, it was an article you wrote that said that only 31% of large mats go after commercial business. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like low-hanging fruit for us. So those things, I think, have insulated us better than a typical business or maybe even a typical uh, laundry service, depending you know, what they're experiencing. So I'll dry cleaning. Mm-hmm. We do corporate and residential. It's been holding pretty steady throughout where we mm-hmm. are. I'll wash mm-hmm. and fold. Uh, it's been about the same. And our sneaker cleaning took a little dip. And I think some of it was due to just to talk and, and people not spending extra money. But then we saw it kind of get close back to where it was. They're all doing about the same. Thank goodness. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, hey, as if you're not busy enough, you've also launched a newsletter called uh, Wash Weekly, which I read religiously on Sundays. So it hits my inbox as soon as it hits. What was the thought behind that? And, and how's that going? It, it's going well. Right now, we're just working to, to drive more eyeballs to it to figure out how do we put it in front of more readers who would really be interested in it. And the reason we did it was when, when I first started, I could lean on like my dad and my uncles because they were in the business for years. But once I started doing dry cleaning, sne- sneaker cleaning, and pickup and delivery, right. I couldn't go dad or uncle, et cetera, et cetera. Cause they were like, uh, we never did that. So I don't know. Like I can give you my opinion on it, but I can't give you, you know, my, my expertise on it from actually doing it. There was a lot of trial and error for us. Even when I did delivery, I went like local laundromats. The community is, wasn't this, this, the same then as it is now. There's always pockets of people in our industry who want to share and embrace each other. But in New York, it is very, very competitive. And there are laundromats across the street from each other in my neighborhood, like literally across the street from each other. So you can't go over there and say, hey, listen, I'm trying to get this done or I'm having a problem. Could you give me some advice? They're like, no, I'm not telling you anything because if I tell you something, it's going to take away from my business. And I, I, I didn't struggle with it, but it was a challenge and it was very frustrating to me because I had come from you know, teaching real estate and then you know, security firm, those communities, right. like I go to the teacher's classroom next door and be like, Hey, like I'm having trouble with my lesson plan or what you mm-hmm. use as example to, to teach, you know, th- this math subject. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, here, look, look at my lesson plan. Or, you know, here's the, the, the workbooks I used, or here's some of the worksheets I created, like go help yourself. Right. And it just wasn't like that. So I was like, I want to share what we're doing. Mm-hmm. how we did it. So those who are either in the industry or thinking about coming to industry, they, they could get past those hurdles a lot faster than we right. did. And I think it's really cool to help people. You know, I just, Absolutely. I just think it is. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the free, free flow of information. And uh, again, you get a nice product and, uh, and I know I enjoy it. So uh, any future plans within the laundry industry uh, media beyond that newsletter? One day at a time, Bob. I'm just <laughs> don't don't create any more jobs for me, please. No, 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 no. Um, you're, you're busy yeah. enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, again, kind of along those same lines. How do you view mm-hmm. your role uh, with regard to to social media and social media influence? Well, you know that influencer thing is is so big these days with brands and businesses and even individuals. Like I'll, I'll hear 
some of my um, younger family members, nieces or nephews or their friends. And they're like, yeah, I want to be a social media influence when I grow up. That's going to be my job. And let's be absolutely clear. There are tons of people out there who are producing great quality content on different mediums and are making tons of money just through their content from sponsorships, brand alignments, all types of things. And even Mm -hmm. selling their own products, whether it's digital or physical, and they're making tons of money doing it, which is great. Kudos to them. I just look at it as not an influencer. It's just making people more aware of Mm -hmm. what's out there and what we're doing. And listen, if it grows, I'm super thankful to the community and anyone who's willing to join in or, you know, as those platforms would say, follow, where I think it's more, you know, connecting and joining. It's just more that like, how how can we just connect more and Mm -hmm. embrace each other, share and help? Like someone reached out to me who's like in the UK and I was just like, I would never be able to do that if it wasn't for social media to connect with somebody in the right. UK about, about laundry or just business in general. So right. it, it's no definitive plan or how I view it as an influencer. I'm just, I'm just trying to connect people and, and, and share good things. Right, right. Waleed, do you have a business philosophy that guides your decisions? It's, you know, that's a good question, Bob. And I would say it's just, just do what's right. And that's what we've, we've kind of lived by in all of our businesses, like have empathy and just do what's right. And in the, in the laundry business, you know, my manager sent me a Slack the other day and she's like, yeah, somebody had an issue with a t-shirt and there was a stain on it. Mm-hmm. Don't know how it got there, but what I believe, and it, it only happened with this one item, there was no black marks on any of her clothes. So I think one or two things happened. There was some kind of marker or pen in the machine and it got wrapped up with that shirt. So it only stained that shirt or somebody had a marker on the table when they were writing something, didn't move it. And somehow it ended up on this, this shirt. Right. And it's a gap t-shirt. It's not super expensive. And I, I tell the team, listen, if it was you and you went into an establishment, what would you want to happen? And they always say like, at first I want someone just to acknowledge me, probably say, I'm sorry. Um, and then make it right. Some kind of way, acknowledge me. And I'm like, okay, so just do that. Like, how much the shirt cost? $25, $30? It's like, tell her, we'll give her that in credit if she wants at the store. Or we'll gladly give her a Gap gift card or whatever. Like, we want to make it right. And I know that's a big thing in our industry. People, you know, we're just using that example of like refunds and giving people money because then people take advantage. Of and what I've learned is... One, I got a lot of gray hairs, Bob. I don't want any more, and I'm trying to avoid them <laughs> any way I can. And I just need peace of mind. Like I don't. When I go to sleep at night, I want my conscience to be clear. So I tell a team, like, just just do what's right. Like work really hard to think about it before you say no, or before you say yes, or before you go left or go right. What's what do you think is the right thing to do? Not by the business, not by our bank account, but by that individual. And I probably, you know, that that's more of our guiding principle philosophy. Very good. Very good. What advice can you share with potential investors that maybe you wish you knew when you were first considering uh, getting back into the laundry business or getting into it full time? What do you wish you knew that you could share with someone? There you go. Bringing the pirate out of me now, Bob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
One is I would say, you know, you know, don't let the status quo be your blinders. And when, and when I say that, like, you know, if you've ever seen a horse, when they put on blinders, they want that horse just looking one way the whole time, straight down the track. Don't look left. Don't look right. And that works for a horse in a race because you want that horse to get to the finish line before everybody else. Focus. And I do believe in being laser focused and getting things done. But for an investor, I, I say that to say, like, try different things. Maybe not be a pirate, but, you know, be the first mate or be a deckhand and, like, see these different things that are, are going on and say, listen, tried and true is got us to where we are, but tried and true is not going to get us into the next 10, 15, 20 years in this industry. And our industry is probably, you know, seven, eight years behind a lot of other industries when it comes to technologies and some of the advancement, but we're starting to catch up. There's a lot of new things coming out. A lot of companies putting a lot of money and resources into, you know, developing tech and different hardware and equipment in our industry now. So I would say, yeah, don't, don't, don't have the blinders on, think different. And, you know, don't always do what people tell you you can't do. And I've had a lot of people tell me what we couldn't do in our business. They told me, don't do sneakers. They told me, don't do dry cleaning. They told me, don't do delivery with gig economy. And we did it. And we're still here. So fingers crossed for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Where do you turn personally for advice? Yeah, that's a good one. I look a couple different places. So one, I look outside our industry. I look at other industries to see what are they doing to like overcome certain obstacles or challenge or to grow or even to innovate or, you know, how do they solve a problem? You know, if they have right. a problem with a, like getting in, how do they deal with customers contacting them through numerous channels by phone, by mm -hmm. text, by email, by social, how do they deal with it? So right. and that's where I learned about omni-channel communication by looking at mm -hmm. other industries. Right. That's one place I look at. Then the other thing I, I go to for advice, which is probably not traditional, I, I do a lot of experimenting. Like there's a lot of trial and error that goes on in our shop and in my office at home. Like it's a lot of stuff piled around, like printers. <laughs> you should see how many Epson receipt printers I have. I got a lot of those things. Tablets, barcode scanners. Like I'm always experimenting to say, like, how could we like push it to the next level? How could we get faster? So experimentation, and then obviously my business partner, Jessica, who's my wife also, I go to her uh, quite a bit to uh, bounce things off. And I go to my team members. I'll ask them, like, they're on the front lines. I'm like, what do you think if we did this and that? And, you know, I'm a little guilty. I'll kind of have my mind made up a little bit, but I still ask them to see if they'll either agree with me or disagree with me. And then right. the last the last person I go to is, He's, he's not biologically related to me, but as far as I'm concerned, he is my Uncle Mike, and he's a mentor of mine. And yeah. I go to Uncle Mike because he's done what I'm doing in a different way. So he was in the laundry industry like 20, 30 years ago, and he was do implementing and trying to do some of the things that we're doing now. And he he's planted a lot of the seeds in my head for like customer service and experimenting with different things. And um, when he was doing it, and he shared stories with me, he worked with a, a, a big brand back then, which I'll leave nameless. And he would tell me how they would be like, don't do that. You're stupid. Like, this is never going to work. And right. he he was one of the first guys to like get a laundromat, like over a million and a half dollars in revenue. 
Like he was really pioneering it. Right. Yeah. So those that's Perfect. where I typically Perfect. go. Perfect. Hey, last question for you, Waleed, and I really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. The future of the laundromat business in three words. Closets, data, and experiential. Those are the three words I got for you. And it's simple. (laughs) Yeah. We got to get in their closets more, get more stuff out of our clients' closets. We got to use data in a a ton of different ways in our industry. And we got to look at how do we make more experiences for our clients, self-service as well as on the service side. That's perfect. Hey, is there anything that I didn't ask you or that you would like to get out to uh, people uh, listening to this about the industry, about your journey in the industry? Any, anything that maybe I didn't ask? Nothing I can think of. I would just share with you know, anyone who's in the industry or thinking of getting the industry, I would just say, you know, go to the different events, network with people, talk. There's a lot of great operators out there with a lot of great you know, ideas and a lot of great practices that they're willing to share with you. That will put you way ahead of the curve when you first open up that business or get you unstuck from where you are now in your current business. So that's what I would really throw out there for everyone. Perfect. Waleed, again, thank you so much. I've I've really enjoyed this. Bob, it's a pleasure and I greatly appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.